Welcome to the ECA podcast. We discuss the biggest issues in the electrotechnical sector with the industry's leading voices. We encourage you to join the conversation. Send your comments and ideas to podcast at eca.co.uk and help us bring excellence in electrotechnical and engineering services to you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the ECA podcast. 2020 has been a year of change for many reasons. One of the more positive changes has been the increased level of awareness and discussion around the topic of diversity and inclusion in the workplace and how to create more equitable, fair and inclusive working environments. In today's episodes, I sat down virtually with Rahman Mustafa, a chartered engineer with a master's degree in electrical and electronic engineering to talk about race in the engineering workplace and to share his experiences, both positive and negative, from his early career. Rahman sits on the executive board of the Association for Black and Minority Ethnic Engineers, or the AFBE, and is a part of the AFBE mentoring team. We talk more about the AFBE and their work on the podcast. Before we begin, please make sure to like and share this episode and visit ecatoday.co.uk for more episodes. As always, thanks for listening. Rahman, thank you for joining me on the podcast. To start off, could you tell us a bit more about your career path and why you chose to go into engineering uh, in the first place? Started off in college studying uh, IT and mathematics um, with the pursuit of wanting to be an engineer due to that conversation I had with my parents, my mother mainly. Initially, I wanted to be a footballer like all young children, but my mum insisted that that was more of a hobby and I I wasn't really that good anyway. So... um, she, she asked me what did I like to do. I told her I like trying to understand how things work, delving deeper into like electronics and things of that nature. And she said, uh, maybe you should consider looking into engineering. With that, did some investigation and um, discovered four different disciplines of engineering and electrical resonated with me. Since that young age, for about 11, um, I've just been working on my path to become an engineer. So went on to university to study electrical electronic engineering. While I was there, um, I did a placement, which I was there for um, a year, which was was a, a great experience for me. First exposure into um, being an engineer and working for um, a, a big organization and work within a team. After that, finished my master's in university, and then I was fortunate to get a a graduate trainee scheme, which was great. Moved around the company, learned different things from different um, individuals, gained mentors, and and things of that nature. After the graduate scheme, you you roll off into the organization, and I decided to go into signal design engineering. And yeah, I, I learned a lot, gained like licenses and things of that nature. And I also used that time to pursue my chartership. I made the choice to step out of um, the railway industry and go into something a bit more modern. So I wanted to go into tech, um, and then. Um, Using the skills that I'd gained, I pivoted into um, becoming a Scrum Master, which I am currently, which was um, project engineering skills. I, I like to think of um, working with different people, influencing people and supporting people and knowing how to communicate with different stakeholders mm-hmm. um, and influencing change. So um, currently working as a Scrum Master in a bank, um, working on the iOS app um, for that bank. 
we're looking at equality and diversity in the sector because uh, the engineering and construction sectors in particular are among the least diverse in UK industry. And this episode, we're seeking to ask why that is and what can be done to help make the industry more inclusive and representative of, of society. Now, yeah. you, you yourself have a role with AFBE. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about AFBE and the, the reason they do what they do? Excellent. Yes. So uh, AFBE is the Association for Black and, F- and Minority Ethnic Engineers, and their purpose is to provide a platform to inspire uh, young people to pursue engineering and to aid individuals that are currently studying in engineering that wish to pursue um, employment or just mentorship in general. Um, my role within the um, association is um, I'm part of the mentoring team and um, we aid people, professionals, students, um, people that want to become chartered um, with aligning them with individuals that can support them in that. So the, their association has been around for about 11 years, 11 plus years, I believe. Um, and yeah, just been going into schools, um, primary schools, encouraging people with programs such as Making engineer, Engineering Hot. Um, we also have Transition, where we help university students um, transition from university life into working life by um, hosting uh, mock assessment days and things of that nature. And within um, our mentoring team, we um, review uh, CVs. Uh, We also assist with um, impromptu interview prep, if need be. Mm -hmm. Helping, uh, you know, younger people into an industry they might not have considered uh, before. Um, Exactly. And uh, I have a statistic in front of me that's uh, quite surprising. There are 30% of engineering uh, university graduates are from BME, uh, black and minority ethnic backgrounds. However, mm-hmm. only 9% of UK engineers are from BME backgrounds. So that begs the question, where is where are all the graduates going? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty tough um, being an engineering student for first finishing your degree with finishing university with engineering uh, degree is, is a challenge in itself. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and then going into the job market, you find out it's, it's even more difficult. Um, I was led to believe that, you know, once you've gone to university, studied hard and got your degree, that all the doors would open for you. Um, myself, I, when I went to university, I had a master's, so I thought I was even more prepared. Um, I left with a master's, so I thought I'd be even more um, uh, employable. But um, what happened to uh, most of my peers was um, they were just being turned down. Um, the, the opportunities weren't there, and they'll just face a lot of rejection. But fortunately for things like AFB, um, there's support from individuals that are senior, that have been through it to, to try and um, to um, guide them through the process. But it's still very tough. And um, especially now with um, the climate that we're in now, it's, it's even more so uh, important for associations like um, AFB to exist to support um, people that may have been furloughed or, or just trying to get into the job market after finishing university. Um, there's, there's been... Um, studies, not studies, well, reports about individuals with certain types of names not being called back. Um, there's been issues of um, there being biases um, mm-hmm. from picking individuals, maybe from the, the type of area that they've grew up in, 
or um, the university that they've been to. So those are the kind of things that need to be eradicated, really. Uh, and you raised a few good points there. I, I recall that uh, report in the in the BBC, a news item saying that uh, job applications with certain uh, non-English sounding names uh, were far less likely. I can't remember the exact statistic, but were far less likely uh, to be called back and to receive uh, an offer for interview than people with the exact same CV, very similar experience, but with a white British sounding name. You also mentioned the the current environment with the COVID-19, the lockdown, making it harder than ever for for the job market. Hundreds of people applying for uh, each job. Um, And when it comes to recruitment, there has been a lot of mention, uh, especially recently, about the role that unconscious bias plays in recruitment especially when there's such a, a, a massive pool of applicants. For the listeners uh, who might not, might have come across the term unconscious bias, but don't quite know what that actually means, how would you explain it? Unconscious bias, I would describe it as not being aware that you treat individuals differently, uh, and that could be brought up because maybe you don't interact with those types of individuals, or... Um, they they seem foreign to you. Um, so again, it's, it's not that the individual is necessarily bad. It's just that they are not aware that these things are occurring um, because generally, gener- generally, um, they don't interact with people from particular areas, or um, they don't realise that their treatment is um, a, a sort of biased. Um, so so yeah, that's that's the only way. Throughout your career uh, as a black man in engineering, and you worked quite a bit in the electrical space as well, which is where yeah. most of our, our members uh, operate. What's been your experience uh, coming up in, in the workplace? Um, and if, if you're comfortable with it, would you be able to mm-hmm. share uh, a particular situation with us, perhaps, where uh, prejudice uh, played a part and mm-hmm. uh, how, that, how that played out? Uh, yeah, uh, no problem. Um, so my experience in engineering, joining the graduate scheme, I was the only black male out of 150 students. And um, from the beginning, I, I was kind of um, led to believe or it was insinuated that, um, you know, I was I was very fortunate to be there. Um, and it made me feel as if maybe I was the token um, black individual or they were doing it to um, hit some type of quota uh, it wasn't that great if it's only one but um, um, just being being a, a token in, in in the organization and um, it what it made me what how that affected me was it, it made me question whether I was there for my my merit and my hard work um, or if it was just um, I was lucky to be there um, so that was the start of my working career um, questioning whether I'm supposed to be there or not, even though I'd worked hard and even more so than some individuals that didn't have um, the level of um, university degree. So um, the criteria was for, at the time, was for individuals to have master's degrees. Um, but there was with some of my, my colleagues, um, generally white colleagues, that, were, that didn't have um, master's degrees, but we were seen as um, the same in, um, in the eyes of the organization. Um, so, so doing that, going through, moving around the organization, what would happen would be you would be aligned with a manager that maybe had not gone to university before, and they, that created some a, a sort of tension um, where I'm coming in to start in my, my working life, and I'm here to learn, whereas 
their misconception of people that went to university was we're all smart Alex and um, you know we know it all and we're we're coming here to take their jobs away from them kind of thing. Um, whereas, I, like I said before, I was just, I was just there to learn. I was a grad trainee and I just wanted to gain skills and I, I didn't want to rub anyone up the wrong way. Um, but what, what that caused was um, just a lot of friction. Um, whereas there was there was a lot of expectation. Uh, for me to do something magical or you know um i was i was told one time to to use my my master's degree as if it was a tool um and then from that point forward i knew that this this individual wasn't um here for my best interest they were my they were my manager at the time and it, it was one of my first um performance development meetings and what they told me was um you know i don't see your master's degree but whereas i was working as as well as any other individual in in the um in the office at the time and within that same in within that same meeting um which turned out to be a, like a 3 hour meeting um i had requested um to do a particular piece of work um which i was told by a mentor which i i sought after in the office um to try and pursue and when i requested to do it what what my manager told me at the time was i can't do that for you you're not my son and I, I, I think about it now. I, I, I don't know how I was. I, I remained cool in, in in that moment. I think I was just more upset that I got a rejection rather than what what he had actually said. Mm-hmm. Um, but after after that meeting, um, I just realised that there's there's going to be no benefit of me being there for the long run. I I swiftly started thinking about my escape of um, moving out of that department and trying to find somewhere else where I'd be more comfortable to to learn from people and develop as an engineer. Do you want to make creating risk assessments easier and more effective? ERAMS is ECA's online risk assessment and method statement tool that allows any type of contractor to create, amend, store and print general activity-based risk assessments and method statements. ERAMS is free to ECA members and very competitively priced to other businesses. Find out more at eca.co.uk forward slash ERAMS. That's eca.co.uk forward slash ERAMS. So looking back on the situation, I assume it was a a few years ago. Um, Mm. If you could uh, beat yourself from back then with what you know now, would you have done anything different? I don't think so. Um, I was very respectful. Um, I, I went in there knowing fully that I'm a black male in this department and society can tend to look at me as, you know, uh, potentially an aggressor or, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a stocky guy, like I could uh, come across a bit threatening or um, just what the media portrays young black males as. So I made a conscious effort to, to dispel those stereotypes um, and just being respectful and professional. The, the way I went about everything in, in that situation was, uh, you know, I came prepared and I showed... Um, showed my manager you know what I've been doing and just to get some acknowledgement for my work and then I asked you know would it be possible for me to do certain work and it was just it was just uncalled for um and um to know that I wasn't treated like any other person in in that office was you know was upsetting so I, I don't I don't think so once I received that kind of uh, message from my manager it's like I just have to find 
somewhere else within that organization because it fortunately was a big enough organization where I could still learn and get some more development because I was still very young in my early in my career. A whole set of added uh, expectations that black people face in uh, the engineering workplace and very likely in workplaces in general. What you said there sounds very much to me like you were actively fighting against the employer's unconscious bias, maybe. So there's unconscious bias mm-hmm. in action. Do, do you think it is uh, harder in general for black people to succeed in the engineering sector uh, and in business generally? Uh, I, most definitely. Um, and it's partly due to there not being enough of us in there in, in the first place and um, a lot, not enough people reaching the status of like management or executives or things of that nature someone that you could see and aspire to be like someone that you know has maybe come from the same background as you whereas when you're going to a room or an organization where there's no diversity there's there's probably no mention of an individual like myself's experiences or maybe even things that they might find uncomfortable or um, things that are maybe sensitive to them or maybe cultural differences. Going go to the pub or, or things of that nature, I've, I've, I've explained to um, colleagues in the past, like, that's not a cultural thing. For people in my community, we don't tend to go to the pub and socialise over drinking. Not that I'm not willing to try it, but it's just it being suggested every time. It seems not to consider, you know, what others might want to do or is it is it ever asked what others want to do so but at the same time people will feel as if 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 they don't do these things then they're going to miss their opportunities because a lot of the time um relationships are 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 created in those um areas i mean in in those settings and you know things are are learned or i won't say secrets but you know advantages are shared in those kind of settings where let's say you, you don't drink alcohol or maybe you have young children um, you you would miss out those opportunities just because of um, your cultural differences or your circumstances. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it is very it is very difficult. Um, what what tends to happen as well is people get stuck in like support management roles and they don't have this opportunity to um, rise up the ladder or or if they do, it's like one of hundreds. They may try to create change, but it's it's not very um, it's very it's very difficult. Sounds like you're describing a very fixed culture, perhaps, that mm. exists in the workplace that when people come to work, they have to conform to in order to fit in and thereby uh, maybe impress senior members of the of the organisation and, and hopefully progress up the ladder. So it, it sounds like a lot of people, when they go to work, don't feel that they can be themselves and they go to work. How important is it to be able to be yourself at work? It's, it's very important. I believe that when you're your authentic self, that's when you can produce your best work. Um, you know that you can um, speak freely. Um, you know that you, you you have the confidence to to know that your voice will be heard and respected. You're just you, you're not shy. You, you just you're more comfortable in, in, in a comfortable setting. And if you have to always think about how you're being perceived by other people, then your mind is elsewhere. It's, it's very draining and, and taxing on individuals when they have to feel like they have to keep up appearances all the time. Um, whereas if there was no judgment on, um, you know, how you come across, then you'd be more comfortable in your workplace. For example, say for myself, coming from inner city London, I, I talk with, I can, I, well, I can talk with, you know, a certain twang or, or, or not twang, but, um, you know, maybe slang or um, I, I communicate in a different way. Whereas, where I was working before, you know, if someone was East London Cockney and they were communicating, they would have 
all the freedom and the confidence to communicate how they felt and not feel judged, not feel feel judged, and just be comfortable. And I'm I'm, I'm not saying this for a plea to you know uh, talk slang when I'm in at work, but just having that freedom and that that ability to do so is very um, comforting and, and refreshing. So if you know you could just communicate in a way that made you feel comfortable, and and as long as it got your point across, um, that would be um, a great environment to be in. Yeah, that, that's that's it really, isn't it? As long as you can get your point across, it shouldn't matter how uh, you're saying something or in, in, in what manner you're saying it, as long as the, the message is clear. Talking about the, the workplace in particular, a lot of our listeners might be employers looking to hire uh, the next generation of electrical engineers, perhaps apprentices, and they may want to have a conversation uh, in the workplace with their employees about race. But a lot of people say that they are scared of saying the wrong thing. That is often quite a paralyzing fear and that stops the conversation from ever taking place at all. So what would your advice be to employers who do want to have a conversation about race at work? Um, What I'd say would be to to listen first and foremost, Um, sharing their view on that they understand that there are difficulties and things might be uncomfortable for for you but what you want to do is try and make the workplace a more comfortable fairer place um where people are free to do their best work and and be comfortable um and from then on you you set the tone and just being open to what those individuals say and and trying to create a solution to um, some of those issues and just being yeah again just being open to um to solving them Talking again about younger people, the younger workforce, uh, people just coming into the workforce, graduating from uni uh, or school leavers looking for uh, apprenticeships. What would your advice be for what to look out for in uh, a job description or a job offer or in an employer? What what should people be uh, paying attention to? It's, it's always good to be able to go to a company's website or read a job description or something about the the company itself when they you know they're very um aware of diversity um and maybe in in their website is 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 it's very important to have representation for of people from different backgrounds on their website um just so that they can feel like okay i wouldn't be the only person there um you know it's 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 very welcoming to different cultures and people from different um areas for young people just what i what i would say as well don't, not not to be afraid to apply for um, as, as many roles as you can in, in as many um, places, um, organizations. You can sometimes be the person that affects change just by uh, being yourself and, and showing them, clearing up the misconceptions that those individuals may have, um, showing that um, individuals can be professional and um, are professional and um yeah, it, it can impact people, not just in the working life, but outside of work as well. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of companies set recruitment targets with the best will in the world. However, are recruitment targets actually helpful? And by that, I also mean, is the term BAME helpful? Mm. Because it stands for Black, Asian, Minority, Ethnic, which covers, you know, billions and billions of, of people in the world. So is yeah. it, when that term is used, is it uh, problematic in itself? when looking at recruitment targets or is it a useful tool? Um, it, it's funny, it's funny that because initially I thought it was just the normal thing um, and I was just very accustomed to it. But, um, you know, having conversations with colleagues and speaking to friends, I, I, I see 
the the damage that it can do because what there's within that group of people there are intersectionalities there are people there are so many different countries so many different cultures um so many different backgrounds and um when you you lump everyone together um you miss the 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 issues that individuals could um be facing every day so no i i don't think it is a good thing i think there needs to be more focus on trying to accommodate individuals and collectors as as group and um just be more open to um different cultures in, in general i think it's it's more of an easy way to just um lump a large group of people together and just like tick box like yes we've we've met that quota um but there there's so many different individuals and circumstances within that group so yeah i don't think it is a good term or or a a group of people to 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 use yeah and the experience of a black person will be completely different to the experience of an asian person and you know even the word asian you know asia is such a huge continent yeah, uh, that's exactly. so diverse what are what resources are there out there for employers who who want to learn more is there training available maybe unconscious bias training are there any services perhaps that the afbe offer for workplaces uh most definitely so um afb does offer um support to organizations that wish to be more inclusive and wish to help inspire people from black or minority ethnic backgrounds also to provide support to young people in schools that wish to pursue a particular type of engineering or work in a particular industry but things like unconscious bias training is is definitely the something organizations should do um I, there seems to be a trend in recent years of having a diversity and inclusion officer or someone in the um the C suite the the chief suite of individuals that um set the tone of inc- including more people and trying to eradicate people being excluded from uh, or feeling like outsiders within the workplace those those are the kind of things that um organizations should try and incorporate and um yeah definitely reach out to um AFB to um get some support with those things And thanks once again to Raman for his time and for sharing his experiences with us on the podcast. To find out more about the diversity training, mentoring opportunities and other resources available to businesses, visit www.afbe.org.uk. Make sure to also listen to Raman's own podcast called Ends to Excellence. It's a platform for young people to learn from ethnic minority professionals and their experiences in their workplace visit www.endstoexcellence.com that's e n d s the number 2 excellence.com for more as always you can listen to all the previous episodes of the ECA podcast at ecatoday.co.uk thank you for listening to the ECA podcast to continue the conversation or ask questions which may feature in the future podcast episodes send your comments and ideas to podcast@eca.co.uk Until the next episode, visit www.eca.co.uk where you can learn more about ECA and the services our team provides. That's www.eca.co.uk.